have your Bible this morning, open it up again with me to the book of Job, Job chapter 1. Last Sunday morning, we began looking, walking together with this man by the name of Job here in the Old Testament. And really, as we walk with Job, we want to walk with our God, we want to walk with our Redeemer. And Job is a good man to look at as we want to learn through his life and through his struggles that we find him facing as we read through the entire book. If you were to study through the, the word of God here in the book of Job and see the various things that he was facing and the trials that he was going through in his life. And so Job is a person that we can learn from. Because no doubt, all of us here are either about to enter into a trial, or you're in a trial already, or you've come out of one. But at some point, someday, in time in your life, you're going to find yourself in the midst of difficulty, struggles. And I hope you will remember these lessons that we can learn from the life of Job because he is a real man with real problems. And God's going to use his life to teach us. And so this morning there are four important life lessons that I want us to learn and hope to, for us to remember so that they will serve all of us well. And the first one I want us to see this morning is this, that serving God, striving to live a life that is honoring to God, does not immune you from heartache, pain, and suffering in this life. You look at the life of Job as we did last Sunday together. Last Sunday's message was focusing on what does God think about you? Because that's where we want to begin because God, as we look in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2, God testified about Job that Job was a blameless man, an upright man, a man who had a fear and reverence of God, and a man that was striving against sin because he was continually turning against and away from evil. And though Job is a man that is faithfully serving God. Though he is a man that is faithfully serving his family. And though he is a man that was faithfully serving his community and doing all three of these things well, we find when we come here at the end of chapter 1 and end of chapter 2, we find Job's life turned upside down. And it's a reminder to us that, beloved, as you strive to live a life, a godly life, and to serve the Lord, even God himself said about Job, he is my servant. When he spoke to Satan, he says, have you 
Notice my servant Job. And yet, Job finds himself in the midst of some of the most trying times and trials that a person could face. Because look with me at the end of chapter 1. In verse 13, it says, Now on the day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, while this messenger was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while that second messenger was still speaking, Another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons, your daughters, they were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. How his life has totally changed. We open up in the book, and it's describing this man as a man who's there in the land of us, whose name was Job. He's blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. He has seven sons and three daughters that have been born to him. He's, it, it lists his possessions there, all there in, in verse 3 for us. We see there in verse 5, he is a man that's loving and serving his family. He's offering up prayers and offering for them in case they have sinned even in their hearts. And now here it is, wave after wave after wave after wave, all on the same day, hit Job. And as you read through, you read through those opening verses there in verses 6 down to verse 12, you know that it wasn't because of something Job had done. Job is serving God, striving to live a God godly life, and yet he was not immune from such heartache. Think about that. He lost seven sons and three daughters in one day. He lost all of his sheep, all of his camels, all of his oxen, all of his donkeys. He lost all of his servants. This is the greatest of all the men of the east. He went from the greatest of all the men of the east to the least of all the men of the east. So, beloved, just remember this. And it will help you when trials come your way that serving God and striving to live a godly life does not exclude us 
from heartache, pain, and suffering in this life. But secondly, remember this. That when you find yourself in trials, that sometimes you may start out strong, but as time goes by, and it seems like there's no relief in sight from the pain, from the struggle, though you start out well, you may begin to drift and struggle in your heart and in your spirit even before the Lord. And beloved, this is what we find with Job. What was Job's response? What was his initial response when he heard that all of his livelihood was now gone and all of his children were now gone? What was his response? We'll look back in verse 20 of chapter 1. It says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and he worshipped. His response was to worship God. And notice what he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job responds rightly. Job responds with a heart of worship and a a heart of worship of God. And it says there in verse 22 that through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Then in chapter 2, Satan and the Lord God have another conversation. And God gives Satan permission now to touch Job's body. Something he didn't allow him to do initially. Because Satan says, if you let me touch his body, he will curse you to your face. Just let me touch him. And God said, okay, you can touch him. You can't take his life. But you can touch his body. And Satan did that. So much so, it says in verse 7 of chapter 2, that he smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a posture to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. And Job's response to that when his wife comes to him and says, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But notice Job's response in verse 10. You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all of this it says, Job did not sin with his lips. So Job starts out very well. Worshiping God, trusting God, leaning on God. 
But beloved, as time goes by, as really weeks and months go by, we get to verse 11 of chapter 2 when Job's friends arrive. And by the time they arrive, which again, you, again, you have to remember now, news to travel to these men where they were living and then for these men to get together and to travel over to Job, they couldn't just hop in a car and they couldn't hop in a plane. It, it would have taken weeks and months or weeks and months have gone by. When you get into verse 11, And beloved, all they have to do is just look at Job. And they know this is not the same man. This man is hurting. And he's hurting more than just physically. He's hurting emotionally. He's hurting spiritually. This man is hurting because notice what it says in verse 12 of chapter 2. When they lifted up their eyes at a distance, they didn't even recognize him. And they raised their voices and they wept. And each of them tore their robes and they threw their dust over their heads and toward the sky. And they just came and sat down with him to mourn there with him. All they had to do was to look at Job and know this man is emotionally and spiritually in pain. He is suffering. It is taking a toll on Job. And though Job started out so well, and you notice his words, his initial response was one of worship. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He goes on to say down there, as I read a moment ago, shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? But notice, after the weeks and months have gone by, the next time Job speaks, there's something different about Job. The pain and the grief has had its effect on Job. So much so, look with me beginning in chapter 3. Afterward, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, Let the day perish on which I was to be born, and the night which said a boy is conceived. May that day be darkness. Let not God care for it, nor light shine on it. Let darkness and black gloom claim it. Let a cloud settle on it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for the night, let darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let the night be bare and let not no joyful shout enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are prepared to rouse Leviathan. Let the stars of its twilight be darkened. Let it wait for light but have none, and let it not see the breaking dawn. Because it did not shut the opening of my mother's womb or hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth? Come forth from the womb and expire. Why did the knees receive me? Why the breast that I should suck? For now I would have lain down and been quiet. 
I would have slept then. I would have been at rest with kings and with counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves or with princes who had gold who were filling their houses with silver or like a miscarriage which is discarded. I would not be as infants that never saw light. Job is a man, and notice what he says in verse 20. Why is light given to him who suffers and life to the bitter of the soul who long for death but there is none and dig for it more than for hidden treasures who rejoice greatly and exult when they find the grave? Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? For my groaning comes at the sight of my food and my cries pour out like water. For what I fear, it comes upon me. And what I dread, it befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. And I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. This is a man who is spiritually struggling in his soul so much. He's sitting there saying, oh, I wish to heaven that I would have died at birth. I wish I would have never lived. And just think about it. All the wonderful things of Job's life, all the things that he enjoyed and he was living and experiencing, but through this trial and this heartache, he's now saying, I, I can't even eat. I can't find any ease. There's no quiet in my soul. There's no rest in my spirit from what I am facing. It's just turmoil day and night, day and night. And I wish, I wish God would bring death to me, but he won't. He's just got me hedged in and I can't get out. Job is a man that is hurting. He started out strong. But now he's struggling. And beloved, remember that sometimes. Remember that sometimes for yourself. So maybe sometimes when you are struggling, you don't want to continue just to beat yourself up. Or if you see your, your, your loved one struggling, your friend, your brother, your sister, in Christ to recognize that. But thirdly, continuing this path with Job, a third lesson is this, I hope you will remember and it will serve you well if you find yourself sometimes in deep darkness. And that is that even as believers, we can reach a place of real despair in our life. Real despair. Now, I just want to read you the words of Job and hear the despair. In his words, in his struggle. Look over in chapter 7. Go over to Job chapter 7. Where Job is expressing that his life just seems futile.
says, beginning in verse 1, Is not man forced to labor on earth? And are not his days like the days of a hired man? As a slave who paints for the shade, and as a hired man who eagerly waits for his wages. So I, listen to what he says, So I am allotted months of vanity. You see, all these months have gone by. And nights of trouble are appointed me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? But the night continues, and I am continually tossing until dawn. My flesh is clothed with worms and a crust of dirt. My skin hardens and runs. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is but breath. My eye will not again see good. The eye of him who sees me will behold me no longer. Your eyes will be on me, but I will not be. When a cloud vanishes, it is gone. So he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. He will not return again to his house, nor his place know him anymore. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or the sea monster that you set a guard over me? If I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint, then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me by visions so that my soul would choose suffocation, death rather than my pains. I waste away. I will not live forever. Notice he's talking to God. He's saying, leave me alone. For my days are but a breath. What is man that you magnify him or that you are concerned about him, that you examine him every morning and try him every moment? Will you never turn your gaze away from me, nor let me alone until I swallow my spittle? He knows, and this is what you're going to see when you read through these passages. Job is sitting there thinking, God has his hand upon me, and he's pressing down so hard on me, I can't catch my breath. And he won't let it up. And I've asked him, and I've talked to him, and he just won't let it up. Job goes on to say, you see that over in chapter 9. Look over in chapter 9. Verse 13, he says, God will not turn back his anger. Beneath him crouch the helpers of Rahab. How then can I answer him and choose my words before him? For though I were, uh, were right, I could not answer. I would have to implore the mercy of my judge. And if I called and he answered me, I could not believe that he was even listening to my voice. For he bruises me with a tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not allow me to get my breath but saturates me with bitterness. This is a man that is in despair. And he, he knows, he, he's sitting there saying, there's nothing I can do. Look at verse 25 of chapter 9. He says, now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They slip by like reed boats like an eagle that swoops on its prey. Though I say, I will forget my complaint. I will leave off my sad countenance. I will be cheerful. 
I am afraid of all my pains. I know that you will not acquit me. I am accounted wicked. Why then should I toil in vain? It's almost like Job is saying, why should I care? If I should wash myself with snow and cleanse myself, my hands, yet you would plunge me into the pit and my own clothes would abhor me. Job is at a place of despair. So much so he says there in chapter 10, verse 1, I loathe my own life. I will give full vent to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Let me know why you contend with me. Is it right for you indeed to even oppress me, to reject the labor of your hands? Job is struggling. He's in despair. And if you look over in chapter 29 and 30, you'll see that in chapter 29, Job there is reflecting on his past and the honor. And that what Job began to to think is this. He thought, again, because he was a man who believed in God, and because he was a man that was striving to live a godly life, and he was a man that was serving his community well, Job started to think from all of that that life would always be good for him. That it would always be good for him. Because notice what he says in chapter 29. Just pick it up in verse 12. You want to know what kind of man Job was to the community? He says in verse 12, I delivered the poor who cried for help. And the orphan who had no helper, the blessing of the one ready to perish came upon me, and I made the widow's heart sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I investigated the case which I did not know, and I broke the jaws of the wicked. I snatched the prey from his teeth. And here's what Job thought because of all that. Verse 18. Then I thought, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My root is spread out to the waters, and my dew lies all night on my branch. My glory is ever new with me, and my bow is renewed in my hand. Job thought, look, I'm serving God, serving my family, serving my community. Thus, I expect that God is going to allow me to live a life where I'm just going to rest and be at ease and enjoy all of what this life can, that God can provide for me. My root, my root is spread out to the waters. My dew lies all night on the branch. My glory is ever new with me. My bow is renewed in my hand. Like Everything's going to stay as it is. 
And that's part of why Job is now in such despair. Trying to figure this out. Because now he's gone from a life of honor to a life of humiliation. Because in verse 1 of chapter 30, he says, But now, here it is, people, go back to chapter 29 for just a moment. He says, Notice in verse 2, Oh, that I were as in months gone by, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone over my head, and by his light I walked through the darkness. I was in the prime of my days, when the friendship of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, and my children were around me, when my steps were bathed in butter, and the rock poured out for me streams of oil, when I went out to the gate of the city, when I took my seat in the square, the young men saw me and hid themselves, and the old men arose and stood. The princes stopped talking and put their hands on their mouths, the voice of the nobles were hushed and their tongue stuck to their palate for when the ear heard it called me blessed and when the eye saw it gave witness of me they spoke so highly of me in verse 21 to me they listened and waited and kept silent for my counsel after my words they did not speak again and my speech dropped on them they waited for me as for the rain and opened their mouth as for the spring rain I smiled on them when they did not believe. In the light of my face, they did not cast down. I chose a way for them and sat as chief and dwelt as king among the troops, as one who comforted the mourners. This was my role. He says, but now, those younger than I, they mock me. I mean, I'm humiliated from all this. He goes on to say in verse 9, And now I have become their taunt. I have even become a byword to them. They abhor me. They stand aloof from me. They do not refrain from spitting at my face. How his life has changed from one of honor to humiliation. Job, because of this, is a man in great despair. So how do you come out of that? I want you to remember those lessons. That you will not be immune from heartache and trials, even as you strive to serve the Lord and serve the Lord faithfully. You will not be immune from beginning to struggle, even if you start out well. You will not be immune from even reaching to the place of despair in your life. Say, so how do I come out of that? And beloved, you come out of that really by God and by His Word and by remembering who God is and turning to Him. Because you know, as I mentioned to you last time, when you read through the book of Job, after chapter 2, God doesn't speak again until chapter 38. So all this time, 
Job's been sitting there and he hasn't heard anything from God. His friends show up and though they have a healthy view of the sovereignty of God and they have a healthy view of the depravity of man, they make some of the same mistakes that Job is making. And not only that, they give their counsel not as much based off of the teachings of the word of God and so all this time's going on and all these things are being said and, and Job is sitting there suffering and hurting and, and Job is struggling and he's, he's starting to turn his attention towards God and, and say some things very blunt to God about things and then God finally speaks again in chapter 38. In fact, this is the first time God speaks to Job because in chapter 1 and 2, God never speaks to Job. He speaks to Satan. And now he's speaking to Job. And God just reminds Job, Job, I'm God. You're not. Just trust me. You've got to trust me, Job. You know how wise I am. You know my counsel. You know who I am, Job. He just starts marching back through a lot of things just to remind Job once again of who he is and his authority, his power, and his wisdom, just wanting him to see that once again. And thankfully, by God's grace and by God's goodness, this brings Job out of it. Job there in chapter 40 says, I'm insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken and I will not answer, even twice and I will add nothing more. And the Lord spoke to Job again. And Job answers again in verse 42. And here's what he says, I know in chapter 42 and verse 2, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I know you are sovereign over my life, God. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. There were things that were too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. You see, Job had to finally come full circle and say, okay, Lord, I know I got arrogant. And part of my words to you were, I have some things I want to instruct you about. And as God spoke to Job, Job again reminded himself, was reminded of by God, look, I will ask you, you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Job's eyes had been opened. For him as a believer, there was an illumination that took place for him that he needed to see. And when that happened, that's what brought him to the place where he says, therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. I'm repentant of all of what I've said, all of what I have done. I am broken now, God. I understand it. I see things more clearly. And once the fog was lifted by God, as God spoke to him, that's when Job was in the place of coming out of this, of repenting and retracting of his thoughts and his words and all that he was doing. 
Now, for some people, beloved, God can bring you through trials and difficulties so that he can bring you to true salvation, true regeneration, to open your eyes to the need of a Savior. Or maybe if you're a believer, God has to sometimes bring you through things until your eyes are opened. And again, Job's eyes were opened by God through his word. As God spoke to him. Now for us today, beloved, how that's going to happen, that's going to happen from the Word of God. That's going to happen from you reading the Word of God, from you listening to the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. That's going to happen from a, a brother or sister in Christ sitting down with you and talking with you from the Word of God. That's how and what God will use to bring someone either to the place of their eyes being open for salvation or their eyes being open to see things more rightly and the fog lifted and they're being able to repent and get back on their feet and begin the process of moving forward. It will be through His Word. Which is why when you're going through that, you need the Word of God. And you more specifically need to go to the cross in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you go to the cross and you think about the cross and you think about the grace of God and you think about the forgiveness that is there, you think about what God has provided you there in the cross, it it begins to help you to put all these other things in perspective. Because if your heart is right with God and you're settled with God and you have a relationship with God that is eternal, that cannot be touched, that cannot be taken away, what strength and comfort and courage you can gather for that and to know that you can patiently walk through trials either to the day of the coming of Christ or to the day of your death. And to know we live in a sinful, fallen world. And we're a part of it. We're all sinful and fallen ourselves. This is the hope. All hope is in God. All hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray that you will remember that lesson if not above all the other lessons this morning. Turn to the Lord. Turn to His Word. Hear it. Read it. Listen to it. Seek the Lord. Keep going to Him. And let Him by His grace In his word, his spirit, bring you forth from that. Lift your eyes and your heart and your soul. That's what God did for Job. And I believe that's what God will do for you as well. 
I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.